And we are live. What is up, everybody? This is Nick from P2W Fantasy here on Thursday with Anthony, who we are welcoming back to the uh, to the podcast. Uh, Anthony's actually been super busy with college soccer coaching, so that's why he's been a bit MIA in terms of podcasting. But uh, he told me yesterday, he said, hey, if if my team wins, our, our uh, head coach is going to give us the day off. They lost but they still gave him the day off. So he's here with us today. Anthony, what is up, man? <laughs> not much, not much. It's good to be uh, back. I had a, had a, been gone for a while, like you said, for college coaching and everything. But uh, that season's ending, so hopefully uh, going to be able to come on here more and get back in the swing of things. Absolutely. So what, what we got going on today, uh, we just went live on Tuesday. I had Samantha and I had Jeremy on, and we were talking about some – scenario a versus scenario b situations that was a great podcast that's on itunes and all that good stuff um now what we have going on today is i asked the community i just put on twitter hey give me some random questions whether it's dynasty redraft personal um nfl outlooks whatever and we will just talk about on the podcast so what we have going on today is just literally a series of questions from people on Twitter that uh, Anthony and I will just address one by one. So I thought that'd be a fun episode here. Um, Before I get into that, I do want to give a quick shout out to the Fantasy Points Media Group, which we are a proud member of right now. Um, I actually just showed Anthony the rookie draft guide that the Fantasy Points uh, just released not too long ago. Um, Showed him some of that and we were talking about how cool that was with the amount of data just in one spot. So When it comes to the fantasy points and what they have to offer, I'm actually going to drop that on the screen if I can find it. I'll get that going in a minute. But what they have to offer basically is a ton of resources all in one area. So they have uh, a massive NFL draft guide like we just talked about. They have tons of analytical tools. They have advanced stats that I actually use often now. I used to do a bunch of research on different websites for articles and podcasts. Now everything is literally on one website with the fantasy points. So check them out. Uh, fantasypoints.com slash subscribe. The promo code you can use from P2W fantasy is 21 win 10. You can get a, get a, a nice discount there. So definitely check out the fantasy points media and everything they have to offer. It's a literally one website that is a massive database. I'm going to throw that graphic on the screen here. And have it on the time ticker there. So uh, what we have going on, again, if you are tuning in, already got some guys in the comments, LQ, what is up? If you are tuning in, we are just talking mailbag questions. Um, A bunch of different ones that I'm excited to talk about. uh, A lot of different topics here. So we will get going in just a minute here. All right, and if you are tuning in, Anthony, can you tell us again where we can find you on social media? Yeah, you can find me at Anthony P2W right here on the screen here. Uh, you can also find me uh, somewhere on Nick's page. He's probably uh, coming at me for something. So 
you can find me through through him at P2W Fantasy or uh, at Anthony P2W. All right. So first question that comes on our list here, again, mailbag questions. Got a lot of good ones here. It comes from at Ken Brown. It's very simple. It's AFC or NFC. So I guess it just comes down to which which division do you like better? Which conference do you like better? Anthony, super simple question. Give me your AFC or NFC and why you pick that. Uh, in terms of which conference I like better, um, I'm going to probably go with the NFC here. Um, love the uh, NFC North. You got the Bears division there. I think that's one of the best divisions in football. Um, it's probably a little bit of a hot take, but I think it's a super competitive division. Uh, then you also got the uh, Washington football team, Dallas Eagles, and uh, you got a lot of good teams in there. The Bucks just won the Super Bowl. You got the Panthers, who were uh, becoming one of my favorite teams. I'm going to go with the NFC here. I also think that there's more uh, powerhouse teams in the NFC than the AFC, so uh, that's going to be my choice for who I, I would choose out of AFC and NFC. So Anthony goes with the NFC. I'm going to go the opposite here with the AFC. Uh, This past season, the AFC went 131 and 124 for their wins and losses overall. Uh, NFC 124 and 131. So a little bit of a difference there. AFC, obviously we have our ties to the Bears, but AFC you have the Chiefs, which you can say for the next however many years, are Super Bowl contenders just because of Patrick Mahomes and everything else that that offense brings. Uh, Buffalo Bills, I'm a big uh, Bills fan. Um, Bills Mafia. Bills Mafia. Five star, frog splash. Right now. Damn, I'm a little little nervous. (laughs) Go, go, go. (laughs) So officially part of the Bills Mafia, so I have that tie going on. The Steelers are a team that are still going to be competitive next year. And then you have the Baltimore Ravens. So I think uh, between powerhouses on both sides, Packers were the best team in the NFC, I believe, last season. So it's hard for me to get on that side. The Saints, I think, might drop off a bit, but we we will see. Um, and the Seahawks, uh, hopefully, will get their quarterback back. But, um, yeah, super straightforward AFC versus NFC. Next one on this list, I think we'll talk about a little bit more. Uh, that was a very simple, straightforward, kick off the podcast sort of question. The next question, and I know you want to talk about this, Anthony. It's from at Mint Sports. What do you make of Darnold to the Panthers? So, Anthony, I know you're a big Sam Darnold fan, uh, a Jets fan. What do you make of Sam Darnold going to the Panthers? You can talk about anything. Uh, it can be Sam Darnold. It can be the Panthers. It can be the outlook about fantasy. Whatever you want to talk about here. Okay, so uh, just want to briefly mention, um, he's actually uh, the guy that I wrote about um, in the last article I did with you on somebody who I can think uh, will take a big step forward. And in that article, I said, if if he goes to the Bears, if he goes to uh, – <laughs> if he goes to we got G- Gianna the script, I'm in here. <laughs> All right, go, go ahead. <laughs> if he goes to the Bears, if he goes to Washington football team, if he goes to the Panthers, he's going to take a huge step forward. The Panthers, I mean, every I've seen a lot of people on Twitter. Um, I've tried not to engage in too many. I don't want to argue with anybody, but there's no question that Sam Donald is a huge upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater, first of all. Second of all, there's no question that the Panthers got a huge W for signing Sam Darnold. 
And there's no question that the Jets actually got a decent return for that, too. Uh, they were never going to get a first-round pick. Um, so their return of that draft capital is going to help them out, hopefully make them a little bit of a better team. But the outlook for Darnold, you got to look at it like this. He's consistently had one of the worst rosters around him in the NFL uh, the last few years. Um, he's had Adam Gase as his coach the last few years. And and now he's going to go to the Panthers with Matt Rule and Joe Brady. Not to mention he's going to have Christian McCaffrey as a weapon. He's going to have DJ Moore as a weapon. He's going to have Robbie Anderson as a weapon. He's going to have potentially Kyle Pitts as a weapon, which hey, that, hey. <laughs> which I could see happening as well. You, there's nothing that I can see here uh, that's going to make me go against Darnold and his potential. Darnold's a early round pick. I always seen huge, huge, huge potential in him. Um, love the love the trade. Uh, works out for both sides, but I think that he's going to be a very, very dangerous man on the Panthers this upcoming year. And I like this comment. I'll take him over Dalton any day because that's what I was. I was saying that that was option option C. It was either. Wilson, Watson, who is in his own uh, stuff right now, and then Darnold. And I absolutely agree with that. Uh, Sam Darnold, so from a fantasy outlook the last few years, I always look at weeks 1 through 16 because we don't play fantasy in week 17, at least the leagues you and I are in, we do not. Uh, Weeks 1 through 16, QB 31 in 2020 played 11 games. QB 27 in 2019, he played 12 games. QB 28 in uh, 2018, he played 12 games as well. So missing a lot of games, not super protected, not great fantasy finishes. But like you said before, what has this man had to deal with in his career? This past season, Frank Gore played more games than Jameson Crowder, who played 12, Brashad Perryman, he played 12, and then Denzel Mims played nine. So all those guys were missing games. Then in the past, he had Robbie Anderson, who had a great year. He had a career year not a super good wide receiver one material sort of guy. In my opinion, a lot of people would argue about that, but he's had Robbie Anderson. He's had Crowder, Demarius Thomas, uh, Javon Kearse and Quincy Anua. That's the, the, uh, the core of wide receivers. This guy has had throughout his career. And then you look at the other side, defensively, the jets, his first year, 23rd worst defense for points allowed 16 the year after. So they did better. And then this past season, 26 out of 32 for points against. So a team that's always chasing the game. He does not have great wide receivers. He had a terrible head coach Um, going to this new offense with DJ Moore. Like you said, got CMC who just draws so much attention. Um, Robbie Anderson had a career year and yeah, they might, they might get a guy like Kyle Pitts. Uh, Who who knows? We don't want to dive too much into that, but the upside for Sam Darnold compared to where it was a week ago is a crazy difference. And I think that's huge for fantasy because you look at what's the opportunity for a quarterback in a new situation. I think any free agent quarterback that would have landed with the Panthers would have had a big bump in their ceiling and upside. And Sam Darnold's a guy you and I have liked just because, hey, we've seen the glimpses of him making those throws, him actually rushing the ball, a lot of good stuff. So I'm actually excited about Sam Darnold. Do you, do you think, do you think, uh, I mean, is this guy finishing top 10 now? Is he finishing top 15, 20? I, I don't know. I mean, like I said before, he's never finished inside the, the top 26. So a bit different, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you said, I mean, with all the weapons he has on this team, great coaches on this team, um, I, I can't see anything but positive 
coming out of this trade. Um, it's also going to be another jersey that I think you're going to have to get to hang up behind you. Uh, I think that'd be a good one. And uh, in terms of where he finishes, in that article I wrote, I said, I'm seeing him inside the top 20 and depending on landing spot, maybe even around 15. And I think this is a perfect landing spot. So I, I think the potential is there. He's, he just needs to make it happen. And, and there's no more room for excuses. This is going to be a prove it year for him. So he's going to have to prove himself. And this is the year to do it. Yeah, I think this 100% is going to be the, hey, were we right or were we wrong about the Jets being the problem and the organization and what he uh, had the support around him? Was that the issue or was it actually Sam Darnold at times? Um, it's also interesting to see like these these new quarterbacks coming in. We don't know where they're going to go yet, but Sam Darnold landing in, in uh, Carolina is such a juicy landing spot, and I think he is talented, and I wonder, like, is he, you know, where he stacks up with these incoming rookie quarterbacks? A lot of people still believe that, you know, their their value in super flex leagues is more valuable than his. But I, I wonder if that'll be the case. That that'll be interesting there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I want to move on. That's uh, good stuff about Sam Darnold. I know both you and I are excited about him, um, and I'm glad for that move because he he deserves at least a chance somewhere else. Next next question here on the list at Manny Chakuba, my guy. And again, we've had some great people in the chat. Jacob Dunn, had Kevin, um, Gianna Scrip with Kaiba the dog. Uh, all right, so at M Manny Chikuba, buying or selling Josh Jacobs? So Josh Jacobs, obviously a lot of people. Hey, even guys from Scotland, George Thompson. Oh, man, look at that. Awesome. Josh Jacobs this past season. Weeks one through 16 was the RB nine. So he had a top 10 finish in fantasy. Kenyon Drake is now in the picture. So a lot of people overreact when guys go to new teams. Sometimes it's for a good reason. Sometimes it's for a not so good reason. Kenyon Drake this past season, I don't have those numbers, but when he played, he had some good weeks. Uh, we, we, we've seen him be good in fantasy. We've seen him be productive. We've also seen him be a little bit inconsistent with his play. Um, curious to hear, are you buying or selling Josh Jacobs? Yeah, for me, I think you've kind of always known my opinion on Jacobs. Um, I'm, I'm not a huge Jacobs fan. Um, I, I get the value. Don't get me wrong. All right. But, um, in terms of like the value for, for what he's going for and what he's giving you, I don't necessarily know that that's somebody that I'd want to keep on my team right now. I think right now is the perfect time to sell him. And the reason I say this is you can kind of market that top 10 finish he had last year. You can point out specific weeks. You could point out the carries totals and everything. But people want to act like Kenyon Drake signing there is not a big deal when it actually is a very big deal. And the reason I say that is all the reports you see coming from Kenyon Drake, coming from Gruden, it, it, it's scary as an owner for Jacobs. I was reading into it. Uh, Kenyon Drake said that no other coach in the NFL pursued him harder than Gruden did in the offseason. And he talks about plenty of things. Gruden was kept praising how versatile he is, what he brings to the table. He can pass catch. He can run the ball. He, he's good in so many different situations. And that's not something a head coach talks about a backup running back for. Um, I think that Drake is going to steal a lot of touches from Jacobs. I think that he's going to be used in the passing game just as much as, if not more, than Jacobs is. And who knows what they're going to do in the red zone at this point. 
Um, but thing that Drake came out and said that Gruden pursued him so hard and praised him so much, I don't think that you do that for somebody that you're not going to get involved in your offense. So do I see a top 10 finish back-to-back for Jacobs? Me personally, I don't. So I'm selling him. The just touching base on that, uh, the pass catching, that's a, a huge concern because that was the missing piece his year one. And we saw glimpses this past season of him getting involved. And that's been the big want is for Josh Jacobs to have that CMC or the Saquon or the Dalvin Cook role where he's rushing and catching the ball. Not a lot of running backs in the league um, do that enough. Uh, but he was just on the beach catching passes with his buddy. I don't know if that was a sign for something. Uh, I saw that video on Twitter. But with Josh Jacobs, I, a little bit different of approach um, for how I see it. I see it right now is that if you put him on the block, you're not getting a, a lot for him. I think if you go to your dynasty league and you say Josh Jacobs is on the block, I think before the Kenyon Drake news hit, you might have gotten a decent return for him. We also had the whole DUI picture and things like that pop up, so some people were concerned. But I think right now, if you put him on the block, I don't think you're getting much. I think you're actually going to get kind of lowballed for an offer uh, just because a lot of people did see the news. You can sell the finish, but I, I wonder if everybody's just kind of seeing it, seeing it how we are, that there's another back in the system, and now it's like a committee. So with that, two different approaches. If you want to try to sell him, go ahead. But I wouldn't sell a guy who still is going to be their starter for like dust. So it might be like a hold situation where – Hey, you know what? Nobody's really giving me much. It's kind of just more beneficial to keep them because during your season, you might run into guys that have running backs that get banged up or hurt. You know, how many guys got hurt last year? Christian McCaffrey, Saquon, Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler. You go down the list, so many guys got hurt. If you hold them, some guys probably going to need a running back at some point this season. On the flip side, if you do have a manager in your league who is seeing it just like we are, hey, Josh Jacobs, Man, what a what a dip in his value. And now I'm going to sell him for a second round pick or something low. Maybe he's a buy in that case because even though he won't finish as a top 10, I doubt he's going to finish as like a 20-plus running back, you know? So I think the big point I'm trying to get at here is buy, sell, hold, whatever the case is. Understand your league. Me and Anthony playing, I think, three different dynasty leagues. And I could tell you that trading in those three leagues is completely different. So I think understanding your league and how to deal with the situation in terms of if you are the manager or if you are on you know the potential buying end, I think it just depends on your league and how people value guys. Because again, I can we can talk about the gauntlet, Anthony, the one league. We can talk about G League and BMF. Guys value players so differently across those leagues, whereas me and you probably are consistent with how we view guys. The big the big thing with Jacobs though, just touching on his past season. It was the weirdest RB9 finish of all time for me because it didn't feel like that at all. He had four weeks above 20 points, but then he had six weeks under 11 points. So this guy was a roller coaster of a ride. So that's the reason I'm kind of kind of out on him because if he was already up and down, now you add a potential committee and man, I I don't know how to approach it. And any uh, any last thoughts on uh, on Jacobs? Do do you see? Here's a quick side question. Quick side question. So I I just I'm still in a startup draft with a bunch of people from Twitter. Great group a uh, uh, great group of analysts. Kenyon Drake was thrown uh, you know in there, um, and he went pretty late. But do you think Kenyon Drake is 
a guy that can have some value in this coming season? I'm kind of at the point with Drake where if I can buy him for, I mean, which is unlikely. I mean, people are going to look at it and be like, oh, they're saying all these positive things about uh, Kenyon Drake going to the Raiders. But if I could pitch to the owner and say, hey, he's he's going to be second fiddle to Jacobs, maybe get him at like a low lower price than uh, what he should be going for, I, I might go for it. Um, I can see him being a viable flex, flex option um, some weeks, but um, is it a guy that you're going to start regularly? We can't really say at this point, but from from everything we've been hearing, I can see him having flex value, definitely. Plus, with just the scarcity of the position, and if you want to handcuff guys, I mean, you're look you're taking a guy that was a starter last season at the beginning of the year, and, and now he's he's like a handcuff quote unquote, it, it's, it's a smart way to go about it. Cause if you look at the second running back in a lot of systems, I'd say Kenyon Drake's probably towards the top of guys that are the second running back. All right. So the ne- next question we got here. Um, hey, my guy, Chris popping in here. What's up, Chris? We had at sports bliss wit one. How consistent have your workouts been? So, uh, Shout out to the Fantasy Football Fit Club. A lot of people jumping in on that. I think it's great. Uh, me personally, been pretty consistent, uh, probably six days a week doing stuff. But it's weird because I used to go to the gym all the time, and now I'm in my basement doing stuff. So I always joke around like it's a prison workout. But literally, if I like made a, a cool trailer or something, it literally looks like a prison down there. And half the time, I got like my chain on, no shirt, random weights, putting on some thug music and, and that's about it. But a- Anthony workout wise, <laughs> this guy's coaching all the time. So that's your, you're hopping in sessions, right? So I could say that my workouts have been very consistent uh, this year. Um, pretty much. I go to work uh, typically on most days from like seven 30 to four at my full-time job. And then I go coach from six to 8 PM. Usually practices about two hours. So workouts, Definitely getting a lot of steps in, <laughs> but uh, not not doing too many uh, prison workouts right now. Uh, it's a little hard with everything going on, but hopefully uh, I got a wedding coming up. I got a wedding coming up next year. Hopefully I uh, start getting back in the rhythm of doing more uh, workouts and stuff like that. And I do want to shout out Anthony. Anthony does have a wedding coming up in the future here. He also just bought a house with his fiance. So shout out to Anthony. Um, Quick, quick question. We we uh we brought up Sam Darnold earlier. <laughs> this new house, no no ghosts, right? Oh <laughs> uh, no, no, that won't happen again. I'm I'm hoping that they need to whoever's mic'd up needs to stay away from Sam Darnold this year. That's all I'm gonna say. Hey, I'm just checking in on the new house. No <laughs> ghosts, nothing like that, right? No, not not as of right now. Chrissy's concerned at, at uh, our house here um, that we do have one because our daughter's motion camera, no one's in there, and it'll just, like, light up our phone. <laughs> and there was a movement detected, and I'm like, oh, oh shit, here we go. <laughs> all right, all right, let's get to the next question here. So at Five Wide Football, what is your number one factor in rankings? Example, past performance, style of the offense, Strength of schedule, etc. So, Anthony, if I if I gave you 
a piece of paper and a pen. And I said, make your 2021 wide receiver or running back or quarterback rankings. What are some important factors uh, for you when it comes to kind of weighing guys out? Because it's tough. If people actually take the time to make rankings, it is tough because you get a big group of guys and you can say, hey, Patrick Mahomes is number one. But once you start getting to that, like 11, 12, 13, it, it's tough to do. So what's the big factor or factors for you? Yeah, I've never really been a strength of schedule type of person. Um, I, I get people are very big on matchups, uh, but we've seen many times this year where um, the stud players, it doesn't matter who's marking them, they're going to produce. Um, so in terms of what I value is the most important um, for players, it's a combination of talent and situation. And I know that that's repeated a lot throughout the community and everything like that, but um, it's very evident that that's the most important thing. Um, Devontae Adams right now is my wide receiver one. And you look at it, and yes, he's extremely talented, but he has Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. So talent plus situation is going to equal good results. Um, The flip side of that is Jerry Judy, who was my – uh, rookie wide receiver one coming out of the draft. Um, I think the talent's there, but the situation is not. So I, I got to have guys like Lamb and uh, maybe even like Tay Higgins over him right now because their situation's better and they have talent. So it has to be a combination of both. To, you got to have talent and situation to be successful in the NFL this year. I mean, every year. Um, so a lot of my rankings um, are based on guys that have the talent, but also have a good situation as well. That makes total sense to me. Um, and again, it's going to be different for person to person. Maybe somebody does base like strength of schedule. We, we we saw last season, you know, David Montgomery had a weaker uh, schedule towards the end of the year, and it, it, it worked out very good for him. Um Man, Martin's coming in, in here. Uh, oh, so you just let anyone on the channel. I, I guess so. It's one of those days, one of those days. So I wrote down the acronym POV for how I look at rankings. POV. So uh, what that equates to here is production, opportunity, and volume. So production, oh, production to me. I, well, I, when I Google it, some other stuff popped up, but – I, I swear, I, I, maybe it's something I created. Uh, production, opportunity, and volume. So production, obviously, we want to look at what's a guy done before. You know, it, it's tough for a guy we've barely seen do anything at the college level or the previous year explode. I mean, James Robinson, obviously, is a guy that does not fit that mold. But even a guy like Stefan Diggs, who, who blew up this year, He's been productive in the past, maybe not like top three productive, but we've seen him be pretty productive. Um, Opportunity, again, and volume go hand in hand. I love target share. I love target share. I love importance to an offense. You look at a guy like TJ Hawkinson uh, and how important as of right now he is to that offense because they don't have a lot of pass catchers. Just like Darren Waller, how important is he to his offense because of the lack of pass catchers? Um, You look at guys who are not, in competitive running back situations. I mean, there, those, so, those sort of things come into mind when it comes to ranking. So what have they done before? What sort of opportunity do they have to get a lot of volume? And then those things kind of go hand in hand for me. Um, talent, obviously, 
goes so far. Uh, you can be extremely talented, but you don't get the ball enough. Um, there's a lot of other factors, but those are the things that really stand out to me um, when it comes to how you kind of weigh some guys out, um, especially at the wide receiver position. You know, if we look at a previous year and say, hey, these guys are close to me, but this guy's quarterback play plus the target share is much different than, you know, this other guy. I think those are some important factors to think about. That's a good question there. Here's another one that kind of goes into <clears throat> evaluating players a little bit. At the real Trev T asks, how much do you take into what school a player is at before he is drafted in determining if he will have long-term success in the NFL? So what are, what are your thoughts on um, using school as an indicator for NFL success? So I know, uh, I mean, me and you have had plenty of conversations about this, and I kind of go back and forth. I feel like I personally look into it a little bit more um, than others do. Um, and, and I really look at it more for the quarterback position than anything. Um, I know that there's been plenty of cases where um, starting NFL quarterbacks have come from small schools and they've been phenomenal quarterbacks, but to me, I, I just have a harder time um, having high expectations for guys that are playing against very weak competition week week in and week out. Um, the issue with being quarterbacks is let and I'll be honest with you guys right now. Um, you know this. Lance is my QB five of this upcoming draft class. Um, part of the reason is where he played college. Like, yes, he's an athletic guy. Yes, he's showed out in college games. Um, but his competition is pretty terrible. So the adjustment that you have to make from his competition to the level of NFL players every week, I think is very hard for a quarterback. You're not going to have as much time uh, to, to go over your reads. Uh, you're not going to have as much time on the ball. You're going to get pressured more. And when you're throwing the ball, you're throwing against guys that are, are going to make plays because they're NFL players. So that's why I kind of have a little bit of an issue um, with guys like Lance coming from very weak conferences. So it, it, there are situations where it, it works out perfectly fine. Don't get me wrong. But Mac Jones, for me, everybody's so low on Mac Jones because he's not athletic. He played in the SEC. He's playing against some of the best players in the country every single week. So I think he's more NFL ready than people think he is. I think that he he's more NFL ready than guys like Lance are. I think Lance would will take two to three years to adjust to the NFL. And my whole reason is just talent level, the time that they're going to have on the ball, uh, the time that they're going to have to read a defense. It's all going to be a lot different playing against very weak competition to very strong competition. Yeah, I think I think uh, the school factor is interesting because, like you said, who they play against is a big factor. I mean, I re related this one time to college soccer. We had a guy uh, who was a roommate of mine. He was from a small town um, in Illinois where he was like the god there for soccer. Like he was the best player that they've had like almost ever. And we went to his town and everybody knew him, you know, and, and he actually was a decent player in college, 
Like he was okay, but at the bigger level, he was like one of the last guys off the bench. So he was great against the competition he played in the small schools. When he got to the the big show in college, he was one of the last dudes to come off the bench. So I think like like you kind of are alluding to the who do they play against can be a factor, but I think when and I'm not a big film guy, right? I, I don't break down the film because I'm not going to pretend like I have that ability to. Um, but I think that when you see enough from guys in terms of how how do how do they how does their style of play how how does their production relate to current guys in the league? Sometimes you can get those glimpses of hey, this guy looks like really good. We've seen we've seen enough guys. There's so many examples of guys who went to smaller schools that ended up panning out good in the NFL, but. I think sometimes weighing out, hey, this guy had 8,000 yards compared to another guy who went to Alabama or Oklahoma and he had lesser yards, you kind of have to understand the the quality of competition. So personally, um, looking at like stats and looking at, you know, small highlights and reading up on other people's analysis, I kind of combine a lot of things personally um, to weigh out where guys are at. I don't think school is at the, the top of the list, but Again, we've seen enough guys do it where they went to small schools or vice versa. They went to small schools where studs and didn't, you know, do much in the NFL. Um, but it seems lately like the top tier guys are all coming out of pretty good programs um, outside of, like you mentioned, Lance, in comparison to a guy like uh, Trevor Lawrence, who's coming out of Clemson. All right, let's move on to the next question here. Uh, at Aggie Kappa Sig, our guy Chris, who was just in the chat, and look at that. Three dogs. Mama's here. Uh, all right. All right. <laughs> what's what's one mistake in your <laughs> what's one mistake in your fantasy football career that you've learned the most from? So maybe just as a fantasy football manager, what's a what's a big mistake that stands out to you that that maybe you've done? Or if you have a few quick examples, we can do that too. I'm thinking about you, I, I got a couple that I wrote down here somewhere. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't. I don't. What, what's, what, what do you think about this one? So pretty much the main thing I would say in regard to this, um, which I, I, I'll give – I'll knock myself on this. You got to – as a league mate, um, as a manager of your own team and everything, you have to let people have their own opinions. Um, sometimes I struggle with this because – I think I think so. Every now and then. Yeah. So I just sometimes I struggle with this just because um, some of like, for example, in home leagues, some of these guys opinions are way out there. Okay, they will overvalue certain guys, undervalue other guys. Their their opinions are just all over the place. There's no consistent ground in it. And it can be frustrating, especially trying to make a trade. Um, I would say that uh a mistake i've made is again getting frustrated with this challenging their opinions on it and at the end of the day it's not going to get you anywhere arguing with people um they're going to have their own opinion on guys they're going to have their own opinion on their team what needs that they think that they do or don't need and uh at the end of the day even if somebody is very very wrong let them be wrong and uh just try to 
shape your team the way you can have your own st- stick to your own opinion and everything and uh maybe even use their own opinion to try to formulate trades that uh will help your team out better i like that last part maybe maybe utilizing somebody else's valuation to make trades work. I think that's that's uh, pretty smart and a good way to approach some fantasy leagues. I get you on that, though, because I think originally I was pretty adamant about trying to stress how somebody was right or, or wrong or whatever the case is. Um, but it, it does get frustrating sometimes in your home, you know, your home leagues. Not to say that those people are not smart, because uh, there's tons of people that are seasonal players only. We got guys, I can name them off, that are in some of our leagues and, like, they always do good no matter if it's basketball, baseball, football. But then there's guys who will just like go in the group chat and just be like, Lamar Jackson sucks. <laughs> or just like, like whatever. Or, or, or like, or, or like, I don't know, something else like, uh, Christian, Christian McCaffrey is just on the downhill slope. He's injury prone now. And then you're looking at like, you're going through your historical notes here and you're like, well, he's only been really hurt this year, whatever. But spending your time not doing, those sort of or spending not spending your time on those conversations probably is the best. One yeah, one thing yeah. that stands out for uh, oh go ahead go ahead. I was gonna say you know I've got like a famous phrase for for, for these guys saying statements like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. have to get in. <laughs> um, you do have a, a phrase that I, I've heard myself. I think you said it to me as well. Um, that that was a stupid the the phrase is and, and I've heard it because he said it to me he said it to me before it is it's in quotes it should be like on a Nike ad that was a stupid comment and then it'll just be like Anthony but uh, what what stands out to me as a fantasy manager is lack of patience for player production I shipped off Antonio Gibson I had him like in almost every league I feel like and I shipped him off right away because I'm like. People are going to have this rookie fever. He had one good week. I'm trading him high, even though I don't think I traded him high in some leagues. And I've done that in the past for guys that get injured, guys that have slow starts. I think I overanalyze too often guys who have slow starts or are not kicking things in. If we looked at this past season, there's guys in the top 10 that if you had some patience with, would have been great for fantasy. If when Nick Chubb got hurt this year, if you would have just kept him on your team and had him for the playoffs in the second half of the season, you would have been happy. If you would have been patient with David Montgomery, you would have been happy. If you did not give up on Jonathan Taylor when half of Twitter did, you would have been happy. I mean, you just have to be patient sometimes with with players who get injured and get um, or have slow starts. I mean, you it, it doesn't mean that you should always be overly patient and not realize like, Hey, this guy's just not producing. But at the same time, that's been my like lack of, um, lack of patience is, has been my big standout to, uh, something I need to be better at. I think cause I always want to trade away guys all the time, all the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that was a good one there. Uh, next one, this will probably be a personal one unless I don't know something about Anthony, but at the boys underscore 22, my guy, Kevin, what has been your, best experience as a dad? That's a great question. I, we, we have Mila here at the house. Anthony is actually Mila's godfather. Um, and it's crazy because we are rookie parents over here and Mila again is nine months old. So we are just constantly learning stuff all the time. Like every day is something different today. She's just like looking at me smiling and then shaking her arms and making crazy noises. Cause I think she just realizes she can like little things always pop up. 
the thing that I'm like most happy about though, is just like the recognition now of like, I get home from soccer or the store and then my wife will be like, who's that? Who's that? And she'll look and she'll look at me and I'll just like look at her and she'll just start smiling so big. So like just the recognition of like being excited that I'm home, that that's, that's like my proudest moment right now is a dad. Um, next question here, more wait, football wait, wait, related. Wait, wait, wait. Really quick. Just uh, yeah. offer that and I'll just change that a little bit. Um, but this is my first time being uncle. Uh, so I just wanted to say um, the best part of that so far um, is just being on the outside looking in and seeing how much a little girl can like change the whole family dynamic. And uh, it pretty much, I mean, it makes everybody happier. I mean, you see you guys, you and Chrissy, you're happy <laughs> with her all the time. You see mom and everybody and I'm happy every time you see her it just, it changes everything and it changes it for better. So it makes me excited for the future far down the line, <laughs> but, uh, it, it is, it is great having a girl around. It It is crazy. Just how a baby changes that dynamic of like an entire family, because the last huge thing that, I mean, obviously I got married and you're about to get married, but the last like huge addition, like official addition outside of that, was our little sister Gianna, who's 15. So that was like 15 years ago. And now you add this new one into the piece and everybody's like, oh my gosh, we got another little girl. That was like the last time we had a, another little girl in the system. So it's crazy. That's a, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, Had uh, Manny checking in. What's up, Manny? At Ain't Done Yet, our guy Jacob Dunn, one of the best rankers of fantasy football. I don't care who else does rankings. Jacob Dunn might be the one-on-one. He asks, Akers or Eckler? For let's say, re, oh, he says it, redraft, 0.5 PPR. So half point PPR. 2021, Anthony, is it Akers or is it Eckler? See, for me, J Jacob had a good spin on this here because he did. He did. If it was a full point PPR, no question. Absolutely no question. I'm taking Eckler. But he made it half point. And he made it redraft. So if it's Dynasty, he might even lead, lean towards Acres. Who knows? But he made it redraft and half point. So although this is close, I think, um, I still tend to lean for Eckler. You still get that extra half point for the receptions. Balaj is now gone. He, he's gone. Um, he was taking a lot of carries from Eckler last year. If you'd like to think... Eckler is going to get a bigger workload this year. Doesn't have as much competition. We saw a trial of Joshua Kelly. Didn't really work out too well. Uh, they still got Justin Jackson on the roster, but Eckler should be the guy on this offense. And him plus Herbert, that combination, I think, is going to be filthy for years. And I will lean towards Eckler in a redraft .5 PPR. So with Cam Akers last year, uh, we saw him step up at the end uh, of last season when he actually was getting some involvement. Cam Akers from weeks 12, 13, and 14 when he got a lot of touches. He was the RB6 across those weeks, so that was obviously very, very good. He had that 29 carries for 171 yards versus, uh, I believe it was New England in that game. He had two catches for 23 as well. Uh, a lot of people said this is the, you know, the next Todd Gurley of this team. 
Eckler RB8 when he came back from the injury from weeks 12 through 16, so a little bit bigger of a span. He was the RB8. Um, what I liked about Eckler is twice we saw Justin Herbert give him 11 receptions. So I guess he caught 11 receptions from Justin Herbert, which we didn't know if that was going to be a thing. So that's huge. That is wide. I mean, if your wide receiver one is Devontae Adams and he has 11 catches, that's huge. I mean, maybe more yardage, but 11 catches from a running back. A lot of people think that Eckler's yards per carry or average yards is bad, but it's actually not as bad as you think. He had 5.8 week two, pretty good. 4.9 week three, 5.3 week 14, 4.5 and 4.6 weeks 13, 15, and 16. So the yards per carry is not as bad as people want to allude to. Um, I'm taking Eckler here, and the reason is, Anthony, you talked about the other guys in the system. They had uh, Balaj, they had Justin Jackson, they had Joshua Kelly, they had Tromaine Pope in there. Um, Austin Eckler is the guy. Uh, if he doesn't get all of the carries, he will get a bulk of them, and then he gets that pass-catching upside. I like Cam Akers a lot. I'm a little bit lower than him uh, on him than the consensus because Sean McVay used three running backs this past year, and one of them is still in the system. Daryl Henderson is still in the system. So if that guy is healthy, I wouldn't be surprised if he continues to eat into the workload versus Cam Akers getting 20 carries in a game. So uh, redraft, I'm sticking with Eckler because I think he's more solidified as this guy that's going to get a ton of volume, and I don't have to question it. Um, so uh, I think that's a good one, though. Uh, go ahead. Would you, would you, uh, would you say that uh, Cam Akers tweeting that he wants a girlfriend um, affected your decision on, on your ranking at all? No, no, I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. I, I, but I will say, I will say Austin Eckler, and I was, I'm trying to, I need to make sure I say everything right here. So Austin Eckler po posing with his shirt off that one time, looking like <laughs> an absolute monster, that might have changed my rankings a little bit. Okay. Because that's one of those pictures like, this guy comes up to your girl at the club, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know, because he's he's a big dude. I mean, that guy yeah. was built like a linebacker. All right, all right let's, let's keep going, because we got a couple more questions here. Um, at Shotgun Fantasy, it's his birthday today. Happy birthday to Colin. Uh, he asks, Dynasty, what is your biggest takeaway from what you know now as opposed to what you knew when you first drafted your dynasty team. So you can relate it to any of your dynasty teams. What would you, what would you change or, or uh, what stands out to, you know, this now, but you didn't know it when you drafted one of your dynasty teams. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to reference my dynasty league, which uh, Colin's actually in. Um, I had a, a phenomenal draft. I would say I drafted AJ Brown and DK Metcalf super late. Um, not a lot of guys were high in them. I, that season, I was super high in them. Traded away in Metcalf. Um, what I'm going to reference is what I wish I knew. Um, is depth really matters in a dynasty? It really, really matters. I spent a lot of time making trades to make my starting lineups very, very strong. Um, and it turned around and it kind of bit me in the butt this last year. Um, I had Burrow go down. I had Miles Sanders go down. I had Eckler go down. I had Kittle go down. And I didn't have much depth on my roster to replace such big name guys, guys like that. 
So I know that there's periods of time I was starting guys that are fringe RB3s as like my RB1. I was struggling. Um, I had a really bad year in my own league last year. I'm not going to blame it on the injuries. I'm going to blame it on myself not having enough enough depth on my roster. So, Yeah, you're damn good. straight. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's cash. It's, uh, it, it's, it's good to be top-heavy at points when they're healthy. Your team's going to be dangerous if you're top-heavy. Top Don't get me wrong. But if something happens like it happened to me where all these guys are going down, they're missing consecutive weeks, you're not going to win games with a bunch of RB3s, tight end fours. Uh, you're not going to be winning games. So I would say being top heavy, heavy isn't a bad thing, but be wary of that because depth is very important. And especially in dynasties, you never know what could happen, who's going to get traded where, who's going to get hurt, who's going to have season-ending injuries. And uh, just do your best to constantly improve your team on by being active on waivers and uh, making trades to uh, – Make your team as strong as possible and as deep as possible. Those are all good pointers, um, especially with a complex year like we just had with the COVID. Um, can't uh, the impacts on the games and guys missing games, and we've seen so many injuries this past season that it really is important for you to. Obviously, you want to have the strongest starting lineup, but you also need to have that depth. So even trading for depth every now and then is a smart move for certain teams. Um, one thing that stands out to me is in the Gauntlet League, which is a super flex league. Literally, none of us understood a super flex when we first <laughs> drafted. Not one of us, because everybody was like, I'm not taking a quarterback until like the fourth or the fifth round. And that's like literally what we did. We didn't understand what a super flex league was. Um, I did no research. So a lot of us took quarterbacks late. So not understanding the importance of quarterbacks in a super flex was something I wish I knew back then. Um, not that I've struggled uh, with that. I I have done pretty good the last two seasons in there, but it is so tough in that league to get quarterbacks and trade for them because now we do understand them. So I'm glad like literally nobody knew the importance because everybody's teams are pretty okay. I uh, kind of, when it comes to quarterbacks, maybe some more than others, but it's tough now in that league. So I wish I kind of would have known that. Another thing is, Something I'm trying to do in a startup I'm in right now is do more. Re I wish I would have done more research on the incoming rookies for drafts of startups I did back in the day, because I think that if you do some, some research and you start understanding different guys that are beyond the top fives of a draft class in a certain position, you start going beyond that. When it gets late in your draft, instead of grabbing veterans late in a startup draft, Take your chance on a couple of rookies, um, you know, over guys you know the names of. Like we could get late in a startup draft, and you might see the name Mike Williams from the Chargers, right, on the board. Maybe it's better to take like I don't know the seventh, the eighth, the tenth best rookie wide receiver with the chance that that wide receiver blows up this year. Like I don't know, like a Chase Claypool who was like a third round um, rookie draft sort of guy. Antonio Gibson was like a third round rookie draft sort of guy in most of our dynasty leagues. So I think in startups understanding, Hey, we're getting later in the draft. Let, let me start taking chances on young guys because the chances on young guys can really pan out and be extremely valuable in a dynasty league. So I think those two things really stand out to me. Yeah, absolutely. And e even last year, um, that was my first year in the gauntlet. Um, 
Herbert fell to me at 111, and looking back on it, he, he should not have fell to me at 111. But uh, I think this year is going to be a lot different with these quarterbacks in the class. I think people kind of really understand it, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. All right, at, at Jeff Lambert asks, this is not a fantasy question. Shout out to Jeff. He was on the show not too long ago. What is well? He actually had a list of questions, so I grabbed one of them and just 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 spit this one out. What's your favorite cartoon from your childhood, or if you have like two or three you want to just shout out? Power to you. So mine's pretty simple. Um, I was huge into uh, the video games. I was huge into the cards. I would probably say Pokemon was my favorite. And then I would probably throw like Yu-Gi-Oh in there. I know I used to have all the cards and everything. And then I actually uh, named my dog <laughs> Kaiba, which is a character in the Yu-Gi-Oh series. So those were my top two back in the day. And, and it's true that you still collect Yu-Gi-Oh cards, correct? Collect them? No, I don't collect them. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, messing, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just messing around. Uh, I actually... And and it's it's been a, a a daily tradition the last few days here. When my daughter Mila wants needs to go to sleep, we turn off what she wants to be on or wants to watch, and I put on Batman the animated series from back in the day. And the graphics are not great, but man, even right now, that is a good show. That is a good ass show. I that was one of my favorites as a kid. Um, I liked dra- I liked Pokemon, like you said. I liked Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball Z was huge. Um even if it meant like pretending to be those characters outside and fighting like you or our cousin Mikey and getting in trouble for it, things like that. Uh, tons of good cartoons. Obviously we grew up with Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network and those, those things, but yeah, are, I'm making Mila watch Batman. Are you a little worried that she's going to grow up and be doing some crazy stuff from watching that or what? Hey, um, Oh, D many says, I forgot what Anthony looked like. Yeah, I, got, I know I hide my face a lot. Yeah, no, no uh, Twitter profile picture. Yeah, we gotta, hey, we gotta work. We gotta work out a way to incorporate ourselves. Uh, a little, little side joke to that. Um, and no, I'm not. I'm not. I don't know. I'm kind of worried about Mila because I think I don't know. She's already making crazy noises and stuff, so she's gonna <laughs> do some crazy stuff. Some some guy quoted uh, my video earlier and said, "Hey, look, it's some random YouTube guy." In in I just buzz my head. Look at this. Oh my gosh. Why did you do that? <laughs> you did that yourself too, didn't you? I I did it. My, I, yeah, I did it myself. Um, <laughs> so this guy quotes my video. He's like, I, I don't even know the guy's name. Hey, look at Seth, blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm like, who? And he sends me a picture. And it's just this random guy that looks nothing like me. The only thing is he's bald. <laughs> and I'm like, what? So the guy, and I go, that does not look like me. He deleted his comment. <laughs> but man, yeah, just a side note. Yeah, I, I think maybe we need to have some more things with our our, our faces on there. Um, all, all right, we got, we got a couple more good ones here. From at Triple Play Fantasy, we just had uh, D. Mendy popped in in the chat. They ask, for players coming off of major injuries, example, Saquon Barkley, Cortland Sutton, how do you rank them compared to the consensus? So I guess the big big question here is, guys who get hurt, bad, right? The season before, does that affect how you see them in the coming season? So 
I'm gonna kind of go in about this for a second here. Um, the answer. Hey, just no. just be careful. Be careful. Yeah. The the answer is no. Like absolutely, absolutely not. It doesn't. To me, I'm not worried whatsoever about Saquon. I'm gonna rank him in the top five for my running backs. He's he's gonna be ranked the same as I would have prior to this. And the reason behind this is, um, as you know, um, in college, I tore my ACL. Okay. Uh, playing soccer, complete tear, partial meniscus tear. I was out for the season. I had my long recovery period, and then I played my senior season. Um, for me, it's a little bit different because I was working a full-time job. I was in college. I was taking classes. I couldn't dedicate all my time to fully recovering and doing therapy for my knee. These NFL players, that's their job. They have the best trainers. They have the best actors in the world. They're getting paid millions of dollars. They're going to have the best rehab that you can have. I am not worried about these guys whatsoever. If I could come back and play at a college level soccer after tearing my ACL, these guys with the best actors, best trainers in the world, I think are going to be perfectly fine. And uh, I'm not scared of drafting these guys. I'm not scared of rostering these guys, um, especially for things like ACLs, because there's so many examples of guys that have come back so strong. Adrian Peterson tore his ACL. Dalvin Cook tore his ACL. Deshaun Watson tore his ACL. You have so many examples of guys tearing their ACLs and coming back and playing at elite levels. Um, as I said before, this is their job. They're going to do everything that they can. Their teams are going to do everything that they can for them to make sure that they are back to 100% before putting them on the field. And I fully think that they're going to perform just as good as they did beforehand. So if anybody, and I've tried this already, I've tried buying Saquon. If anybody's trying to sell them because they're scared of the injury history, the ACL or anything, I'll be a buyer because I'm not at all. Yeah. Um, and I, I like your point about it's literally their full-time life job. Everything that's going on in their life revolves around the game, obviously outside their family, but, uh, that's different than like yourself who tore your ACL and then you had to like, you know, trot your way over to econ 101 and then go to your side job afterwards and then go home and, you know, see your parents or whatever the case is. It's a lot different, um, in terms of that. I think for me, it has to do with how I saw them before. I don't think it changes anything. I don't, I don't like Cortland Sutton was a guy that was on this uh, example list. I was not high in Cortland Sutton before he got hurt. I don't knock him down further than what I would have had him at because he got hurt. I just am not really high in him. Whereas like you said, Saquon Barkley RB 12 and 12 games in 2019 RB three weeks one through 16, his rookie season, he would have been the rookie or not the rookie he would have been the RB one overall. If we played through week 17 that year. Um, so I was very high in him before and I still will be high in him. Um, I, I like, I like those points unless it's like a injury that you're getting reports that they're not performing the same way. They're not as elusive they're, you know, they're, they're not as strong. I mean, you don't really even see that too much. So I, I don't think the injuries knock down rankings of guys for me personally, it just has to do with how did I see them before? Did I like them before? Not a big Sutton guy. So th the injury doesn't really have a big impact on me. I just not really high on Sutton. I like Saquon a lot, pretty still high on Saquon. We've saw Delvin cook. Like you said before, 
tear his ACL, come back super strong, ready to go. You know, we've seen guys with major injuries. Alex Smith almost lost his leg. I'm not going to say he was a top five quarterback, but he still came out and played the game because it's, it's, it's right here. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I actually have Edwin, Edwin Porras, uh, coming on the show on Tuesday, who's actually part of fantasy points. He's the, the, uh, the guru of, um, physical therapy and injuries and things like that. So we're going to have a full blown podcast talking about that. So that'll be interesting. I'll have to bring that back up. Next one on the list here. Um, give me one of each for this question. So at Norton 0723, what players do you expect to draft the most and the least in this coming season? So let's say you're in a bunch of redrafts, bunch of redraft leagues. Who's the guy you, you think, Hey, I'm going to try to get this guy a lot. And then who's the guy you think, I'm, I'm not touching this guy. Okay. So for the most, um, right here, here's one of them. Calvin Ridley. Um, oh, huge. I got him back here as well. Yeah. Huge on Calvin Ridley. Um, if I could get Calvin Ridley in all redraft leagues, I would, I think he's an absolute stud. I'm going to kind of do a slash because my other boy is AJ Brown. So Calvin Ridley, AJ Brown, those are my two guys. If I could get if I could get them in all my redrafts, I would. Um, I think they're both studs. I think they're both going to continue to. I think they took they both took a big step forward last year. I think they're going to continue to take steps forward. Um, they're both becoming bigger parts of their offense. I'm I'm going I'm gunning for both of them. Um, in terms of least, um, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but uh, we already brought him up earlier. I'm staying away from Josh Jacobs uh, this year. I don't think that he's going to give you. Um, the production you're looking for um, from a guy that you're going to draft at his ADP. Uh, and I'm also going to put another slash and I'm going to say uh, I'm staying away from any Buccaneers players. And <laughs> that's just been a thing with me uh, the last couple of seasons. I'm not a big uh, fan of any of those guys right now in terms of fantasy. You say you hate Tom Brady. Is that what you're getting at? <laughs> uh, as I'm a, I like the Jets, so I've never – Really likes Tom Brady too much, but I respect him. Um, but Godwin, Evans, Rojo, Gronk, none of those guys are going to be guys that I want to draft for my team. All right. All right. So no Buccaneers. Um, you, you you obviously know I'm a huge DeAndre Swift fan. I'm pissed off because I should have took him in the startup draft I just did. Uh, I took Jonathan Taylor as the 112, I probably should have just took Swift back to back with him, but I took Tyree Kill instead um, to kind of diversify, you know, studs per position. I, I don't know. But DeAndre Swift, RB20 weeks one through 16 this past season. Cool stats about him. So he, he actually played 12 games from weeks one through 16. So he, he missed some games uh, during that span. 42 players had more rushing attempts than. DeAndre Swift this past year. So he finished as a top 20 running back for fantasy. 42 players had more rushing attempts. He had 392 snaps this year. Here are some of the other rookies from this class. So Swift had 392. James Robinson had 641. CEH had 542. Jonathan Taylor had 511. So Swift had 392. He didn't even get a ton of snaps this year. And we obviously something we know, you know, Adrian Peterson was in uh, a big share of that offense, but 
with a guy who produced so highly with limited snaps and limited involvement for a lot of games, I I, I just think everywhere I can get him, I'm going to get him. And, and I know he's not going to go to the same level as a Jonathan Taylor. And I think Antonio Gibson might be going higher than him in redraft. Uh, guys like that. Guy I don't want anything to do with is still Joe Mixon. I don't want anything to do with Joe Mixon. I think, you know, 2020, he was the RB 49 because he didn't play a lot of football. 2019 and 2018, he was 13 and 10 for the position, RB 13, RB 10. 2017, RB 34. I'm just not a fan. I'm not a fan of him as a person, so that kind of hurts for fantasy. And for him, I just think he's he's a bit overrated for what he does. Could he be a top 12 guy? Maybe, but you know what? There were so many guys last year that stepped up for the position. So when Joe Mixon was good in 2019 and 2018, you did not have Jonathan Taylor and Antonio Gibson and James Robinson and DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins and Cam Akers. You can go down the list of guys that produce. I would actually just take – the reason I don't want to take Joe Mixon is because I just have too many running backs ahead of him in redraft. And I I think where you would have to take him in a redraft draft You'd have to have him above too many guys that I don't think he's above. So um, I hope they get Sewell and improve the O-line, and that helps Mixon, but I just have him under too many running backs. Like we talked about Eckler. I had 100% take take Eckler before I take Joe Mixon. Um, That's my guy to avoid. Um, Maybe quick on on this one. Uh, At DMendio2 asks, who, who was just in the chat here, how did you come up with the name and the logo for your brand? So again, uh, COVID times working from home, my wife came home one day and I said, Hey, guess what I just did today? And she's like, what? She looked at me. She's like, what? Cause it's always something stupid. And I go, I started a fantasy brand <laughs> and I, and I just wrote my first article and she's like, Oh yeah, really? She's like, how many people read it? And I'm like, I don't know, like two, something like that. But I'm like, I'm going to write articles. And, uh, yeah, started play to win like a year ago. Play to win. Uh, Anthony will tell you, I I literally, I literally, in fantasy, I am a poor loser. I hate losing in fantasy. If I do lose, Anthony's probably the first one that reaches out to me, especially if it's him. If I do lose, he'll be like, man, r- rough week or something like that. And it literally pisses me off so bad that I swear to God, I'm not even kidding. I think about a loss probably for like a week in my home leagues. Like, I'm, I, like it, it kills me because I play to win. I mean, it's, it's corny and stuff, but literally I love winning matchups, <laughs> sports, everything. So play to win. The other reason, the other reason is in college, I played college soccer. My head coach was extremely, extremely competitive. And you see coaches all the time say, Hey guys, let's have a good game, right? Or let's, let's go and compete. You know, let, let's give it our best him every game. Let's get a result. Let's get a result. Cause everything was about playing to get a result and you know, that kind of stuck. So the competitive nature personally of like hating to lose, bringing up the college, like soccer mantra of like, Hey, play to get a result. And uh, yeah, just being a competitive person that's trying to get some money every now and then. I mean, those are the reasons I got play to win. Um, the original logo I made myself, it was terrible. I did it like in a word document. Then I asked a buddy and his girlfriend actually made this logo. And then Viridian Global, who makes all the the hat, the hats and the t-shirts, they made it like shiny, the trophy. So that's the progression of things there. Um, 
So yeah, that was my, uh, that's my quick, uh, play to win mantra. Uh, I'm sure Anthony can attest to most of the things I said about, um, being overly competitive in fantasy. <laughs> um, next one here. Uh, we got, I think we got like two more. I know we're above the hour mark here. Uh, at J Wright two, one, two, nine, nine. What is your preferred team building strategy in dynasty and why? So Anthony, do you have a, a certain strategy that um, that you have when it comes to building a dynasty team, or does it kind of depend on the league, or what, what's the case for that? Yeah, it's very situational for me. Um, if I'm drafting my own uh, like startup dynasty league, I, I'm going for my guys. Uh, everybody says it all the time. You you want to get your your guys on your team, um, but if like in the gauntlet, which is a league that me and you were in together. Um, I took over an orphan team, and this team was not good. It finished in last place the year beforehand. Um, I had the number one pick of the rookie draft. Um, didn't have a lot of talent across the roster. So what I wanted to do was kind of rebuild it from the ground up. I was taking a look back at it, and I was looking at my team, and I was like, wow, it's a lot different now. What did I do? Well, it's a super flex. I traded away Dak Prescott before the season started. I traded away Juju. I traded away Mark Andrews. I traded away Julio Jones. I traded away the 101. I reshaped that team in a way where I tried to I tried to I tried to acquire as many as my guys as I could, but also young guys that have high ceilings. Um, some of them worked out better than others. Obviously, like Ridley had a huge leap forward this year. I acquired him. I got Aaron Jones. Um, I was able to get Herbert. Uh, so draft capital was very important um, as well. But um, you got to kind of shape the team how you want to shape it. Get your guys and uh, constantly be looking to improve your team. So uh, building strategy in Dynasty is get some guys that have high potential. Mix it with some guys that are good already. And uh, always be looking to uh, improve your team and never be complacent because too often people get complacent in dynasty leagues, um, might take a week off, might miss a guy on waivers, um, might not pay as much attention to these rookies coming in. Don't get complacent. Always look to improve your team and uh, get your guys. That That's the best advice I can give for a dynasty. I like all those points and, and, um, I'll probably just piggyback on most of them. Um, there's guys in dynasty that Anthony likes that I, I'm just not big fans of and, and vice versa. There's guys that, that I like a lot that Anthony's not big fans of, but I will say when it comes to those guys, I know both of us will go get them, whether it's a draft, whether it's making trades. Um, it doesn't matter who else in the room likes particular guys. It matters that we do. So I, I think that's huge. The whole, my guys thing. I know it's talked about a lot, but a lot of people will talk about, Hey, I like these guys, but what are you doing in your leagues to get them? I mean, not everybody likes Robert Woods the way I like Robert Woods, but I will go get him in leagues and, and I'll, and I'll figure out a way to get him. Um, not everybody, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, somebody specific to your team, Anthony, that you have tons of shares of, you mentioned Calvin Ridley, you, you'll do what it, what it takes to get Calvin Ridley. Um, I mean, bo Darnold. both of us, yeah, <laughs> Sam Darnold, yeah, both of us have those guys, and I think it's important to, you know, find your guys, and your guys are your guys for a reason. I mean, we all do our research and look into articles and read things and listen to podcasts, but 
you build these guys and, and it shapes your team sometimes. Also, I like the point about not being complacent because both of us are super active in our dynasty leagues and, and I'm always active too. I, I literally lost one game. I lost Anthony in the semis of this league. It was a upset. It pissed me off, but I lost one game the entire season, one game through the regular season. But I promise you, I was super active with waivers all the time. I was super active trying to make trades. You shouldn't just chill because your team's good or winning because that's how you slip up in Dynasty. So I um, think that's a good point there. Um, last question here on the list here, and then we'll wrap things up. At Guru Fantasy World, my guy David, who's the most single overvalued player? So we don't have to say that you think this is the number one player in fantasy that's overvalued, but, uh, or maybe you do say that, but who's the guy that comes to mind is you think is overvalued right now. So it's funny because I originally had one guy in mind and I was going to talk a little bit about him, but then you brought up somebody else and it just kicked in for me. And I'm like, wow, I don't even think about this guy because I don't like him. Um, but he is, in my opinion, if he's not the most overvalued guy in the NFL, he, he's in the top five for sure. And that's Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon is so overvalued. He is so overvalued. You can't go trade Joe Mixon or for Joe Mixon without giving up the farm. And you can't trade away Joe Mixon without trying to get a, a haul for him. But what's the reason for that? What has he done to, to earn that? So Joe Mixon is somebody who I want nothing to do with. I have zero shares of him. I'll never trade for him. Um, I'll never draft him. He's just somebody I, I don't like in terms of fantasy. I don't like Joe Mixon as a player at all. So I, I can see like, hey, he's got Joe Burrow. They've got offensive weapons. They might add Sewell. He, he could take a step forward. But I'm not paying for Joe Mixon. I'm paying for all the other guys that are around him, like you said earlier. There's so many guys around him, receivers and running backs, that are ranked right by him that I'm going to trade for or try to trade for before I even attempt to trade for Joe Mixon. I like Joe Mixon. Um, originally, I was just going to speak on Godwin a little bit. I was going to even maybe mention Kamara because I, I'm a, I know he had 16, 16 touchdowns this year and he did great, but he still has not rushed for a thousand yards. So I was going to bring him up, but uh, Joe Mixon, so overrated, so overvalued. I want nothing to do with him. Yeah, like I said before with Mixon, for me, um, like you said, if you want to trade for him or trade him away, the value's kind of way up there with some other guys that I, I would say I view him below. So I think that's one of the main reasons I'm I'm out on Joe Mixon is because if I made a list of running backs right now, he wouldn't be to where the consensus probably is for Joe Mixon. Um, I actually had a guy on the same team, so I didn't do this uh, on purpose. Um, I actually like this team and what they're doing a lot, and I actually like this player a lot too, but I think that the community view of this guy is a little too high for my liking, and that's uh, T. Higgins. Um, I like T. Higgins a lot. T. Higgins was, I'm pretty sure, my wide receiver, I think he was five, before the draft um, this this past year. I, I liked T. Higgins in college, and I still like him. I think he's going to be very good. Um, but uh, weeks one through 11, Joe Burrow, T. 
Higgins. I mean, he was a rookie, so we can't say he's going to be phenomenal right away, but he was the wide receiver 27 with Joe Burrow before Joe Burrow got hurt. That's that's good. That's good for a rookie. I think it's pretty good. There's so many wide receivers in the league. That's pretty good. Tyler Boyd on the same note, though, was wide receiver 11. So Tyler Boyd and Joe Burrow was better than Joe Burrow and T. Higgins. But if you go look at any sort of rankings right now, I'm not saying Tyler Boyd should be above him, but the gap between Higgins and Boyd is massive, massive gap between the two. Um, T. Higgins did finish good. I think he was like wide receiver 25 or something like that. He had a good rest of the season when Joe Burrow got hurt. Tyler Boyd did not. So I'm not trying to make the Tyler Boyd case here, but I think when we look at the depth of the position and I mean, there still is a chance that they bring in a guy like Jamar Chase if they don't go with Sewell, which I hope they I hope they do because Joe Burrow needs protection. The guy just got hurt. He needs protection. But I think a lot of people are putting T. Higgins in like the top 15 for Dynasty. And for me, he's not. He's not. Um, I looked at the Fantasy Points Dynasty rankings because, again, I do all of my research now on Fantasy Points. You can see the website right there at fantasypoints.com slash subscribe. Promo code 21WIN10. Um, but they had him as wide receiver 19. And even if I look at the guys outside of 19, Keenan Allen, Juju, Kenny Galladay, Jerry Judy, Chase Claypool, Tyler Boyd, Robert Woods, some of these guys, you, you might have an argument that some of these guys might be above T. Higgins in Dynasty. But I think the reason he's being overvalued is because he did have a great year, year one. He was a rookie. But I still think that there's going to be plenty of competition for who gets the most targets with Joe Burrow. And I also think with the depth of the position, there are so many guys that you can argue are above T. Higgins. So I'm not going to say he's like wide receiver 30, but I don't think he's like top 10 or top 15 personally. I don't know if you agree or disagree. No, I completely agree. And I think I've talked to you about this before because people, I mean, I don't blame them. They frequently tried to offer T. Higgins in trades to get elite players. I'm not one of the guys that's going to trade for Tay Higgins. Um, as you said, um, if we were talking about the opposite here, most underrated players in the NFL, Tyler Boyd would be, might be my choice. Uh, Tyler Boyd's a great receiver. Uh, obviously Joe Burrow had a great season before he got hurt. And that gives people like hope that T Higgins is going to be very good, but He's not somebody that's super appealing to me where, like Joe Mixon, I'm going to overpay for. So, Yeah. Well, uh, that wraps up things here. We're past the hour mark by almost 20 minutes, but we had some good conversations. Probably could have spent more time on all of these, but do appreciate all the questions asked by the community. Um, always love uh, having the interaction of people wanting to hear their uh, their question answered and things like that. So uh, do appreciate that. Um, again, check out fantasypoints.com slash subscribe. There's three different levels. There's free, I think a standard and a premium. I'm telling you right now, everything you need is in one site. So go check that out. You can get an additional discount right now using code 21WIN10. Um, Anthony, can you tell us again, where can we find you? Yeah, you can uh, find me on Twitter here at, at AnthonyP2WFantasy. All right. And uh, again, Nick from P2W Fantasy. Tuesday, I have like an injury podcast I'm super excited about. And then next Thursday is a crystal ball episode. I'm going to bring in some people talking about their predictions for various leaders of, uh, of next season. So uh, thank you for listening and have a great night.